You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. The June edition of the Hort Journal Australia magazine is an education feature. I wrote one of three upskilling articles this month to help professionals make a decision before media intakes based on this conversation that I had with Ian Gaston. Ian's been in the game for 46 years. He's worked at Royal Botanic Garden Sydney, managed a number of nurseries, both wholesale and retail, has been a TAFE New South Wales teacher for more than 30 years, and is still working as a propagation manager while being a registered member of the Australian Institute of Horticulture. In this conversation, we talk about why people gain a qualification that's relevant to the horticulture industry at TAFE. G'day Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. So what's the difference between uni and TAFE in Australia? As a general rule, uni tends to offer a higher qualification than what we do at TAFE New South Wales. So, you know, they would be looking at a degree or even higher. And their course con- content tends to concentrate more on the theory and research aspects of horticulture, whereas at TAFE New South Wales, we we can even start with a cert one, which is more for people with maybe learning difficulties. But uh, here at, at TAFE New South Wales online, we do the cert two, cert three, uh, and diploma. And overall, particularly with the cert two and three, there's more of a balance between the practical and theory aspects. Another difference is that you don't really need any prior quals to come in at the C2, C3 diploma level, whereas at uni generally they need to reach a a certain educational standard, especially if they're coming straight from school, i.e. like an ATAR. The courses we run at New South Wales have been devised, importantly, with industry input, and teaching and assessing is, is quite carefully monitored by ASQA and also nationally accredited. And students can start even with TAFE New South Wales while they're still at school in year 11. So why do you reckon people should study horticulture, particularly at TAFE? I'm not so much sure about horticulture specifically, but as far as I'm concerned, with with any course, studying at TAFE New South Wales, it provides a student with a gradual and flexible study pathway to increase skills from quite a low base level and to able to increase their knowledge as well. And the other thing that TAFE has, by they allow students various exit points, depending on what, where they actually want to end up or where they get to a point they feel maybe they've reached the level that they want to reach. TAFE New South Wales allows you to kind of check, check out to see particularly horticulture, if it's a career for you, without making major financial and time commitments. So yeah, you can start, say, with a Cert two, minimal cost, and just dipping your, your toes into the water to see if mm. it's, it's specially for you. And horticulture, of course, there's so many different areas which we might talk about later. So, yeah, general horticulture is, is a good possible entry point at, at Cert 2 or Cert 3 with people with a bit more experience. 
you know, the beauty of TAFE New South Wales, for people that have worked in the industry for a long time, maybe regional people as well, we can online study as well as just face-to-face. It gives the people the ability to cement their skills and knowledge into a qualification that, as we mentioned before, is recognised throughout Australia and also provides the possibility of RPL to give them some credit for what they've been doing in industry. TAFE New South Wales allows students regular access to teachers that have to have had uh, five years minimum industry experience and have proof, current proof of work in the industry and that without that you can't be a TAFE teacher. Most student, most teachers still work in the industry part-time, such as myself, you know, working in a wholesale nursery and that we're a valuable resource for students starting up in the horticulture business. Often, you know, they come to me with questions about what they're actually doing in their their business or at the nursery where they work, getting a bit of extra knowledge about things like citrus budding in recent days. Uh, the cost of the course is run at New South Wales as well. You know, they're a lot cheaper as a general rule or even free if there's skills shortages determined by the government. And specifically for the hort industry, it recognises a Cert 3. Uh, so it's actually a way, for instance, working in the nursery or as a garden maintenance person of getting a small increased pay level for that educational achievement and uh, definitely earning their capacity, increasing their earning capacity in the future. And if they're going for interviews, it probably helps definitely the employer if you've got two people that may be quite similar in their educational past and other qualities. It, it gives you an indication that this person's maybe going to make a, a, a commitment uh, and has got the beauty of that theory support to practical application. And just recently, I've been working as like a mentor for one of the people working at our nursery who's worked in the industry for for decades. And he's been asking me about the theory side of things, you know, things like he knows that you wound, he knows that you cut below a node, but really didn't understand why. And hmm. I've been able to give him that that theory support. So now he knows the importance of what he's doing. Yeah. The biology stuff really blew my mind when I first did it because it gave so much context to everything that I'd learned on the job. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what surprises a lot of people. But in the actual course itself, as a general rule, some of the curriculum doesn't actually really emphasize the need for that. So it's kind of add-on stuff that we as teachers often put in to help students understand. Okay. So before we talk about maybe some of the content in the courses, I just wanted to quickly touch on some of the advantages and disadvantages of studying horticulture in person versus online. Yeah, well, I've taught both face-to-face for for 25 years at Wright TAFE College and now approximately eight years at at TAFE Online at TAFE New South Wales, um, TAFE Digital, uh, based at Strathfield. And online can be very flexible. In fact, students don't ever really need to attend the actual campus in person. And to some degree, students can decide exactly when they they want to study. 
you know, they, they, I've had people that have been sending in emails in at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, students who, <laughs> students who run their own businesses, they don't have the, the luxury of being able to go to a class that starts at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning through till five o'clock because they're just too busy. So what they tend to do is put in a couple of hours in the evening or maybe early in the morning and, some of us are available from seven o'clock in the morning, so before they actually get to work. And so really it gives the, it gives people a lot more flexibility, especially for those, like I said, that can't commit to study during the day. It also helps students that are maybe struggling financially because, as I said, that they themselves can carry on working full time. Flexible online delivery is can be beneficial to students. Just recently, I've had a few students who who just couldn't attend the actual face to face colleges because of health issues such as you know depression and anxiety. Can't even go one on one with a teacher, whereas online study allows them. Even if they can't talk on one on one with us as teachers, we we use email back and forward to help them with their their class notes uh, and assessments etc online so uh, yeah that that's very important it's probably something that most people wouldn't really realize until mm-hmm. you actually get there and we have a really good team of trained specialists in specific areas and counselors to help these particular students and i think one of the problems is and of course it's financially based what we have to do is we have to to look at sadly some students can only learn by seeing and doing and that's where face-to-face comes into play is that Mm. they're they're, they're able to to go to the college and observe a teacher and then by a process of repetition if if the class is small enough whereby the teacher can give short-term one-on-one with a student. And that was particularly important to me with practicals like grafting and budding, where I really had to even hold the student's hand when they were using the knife to do the budding and grafting exercise. The only problem with that is that they must attend a college on a given day or two or a a given evening or two. And that's really quite a, a big ask for students that are living many you know, kilometers, hundreds of kilometers away from a TAFE college. But also on a positive note, face-to-face, you have that classroom environment where students, you know, compare their progress with each other. Peer pressure is quite strong, and it really motivates some students to continue with their struggles, uh, with their studies, even though they might be struggling somewhat. Yeah, such great points. I personally studied at my own pace online and that was the right way for me because as you said, I'm one of those people who have a full-time job and I just needed to get it done in my spare moments. You know, maybe one week I might have had two full days I could spend on it and then, you know, maybe I had two hours I could spend on it throughout the next month or it was very sporadic when and where I could spend time. And I didn't personally struggle with any of my courses, including the ones where I'd have to take herbarium samples or soil samples. But I think I was just lucky in that that's just the way that my brain works and it just worked really well for me. Yes, yes. And 
these days, even though, you know, we may not have absolutely every online resource that you might want, students are able to just Google like you did a little while ago, and they <laughs> come up with, you know, online practical demonstrations. Of, of course, they're not all 100% perfect, but if you've got an inkling of what you're really looking for, you, you'll find a, an actual quality short video of just about everything you, you want these days in relation to horticulture online. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, TAFE certainly did give me a bunch of resources, including YouTube videos. But then if there was something that I didn't quite understand, sometimes I would just go onto YouTube or Google and find further information that complemented the information I was being taught. Yeah, and that that's the beauty of uh, of many students is they they have the ability to do that. And if they don't, we they they will email us and we will send in those kind of links that that will help additional support, especially if the students got more of a a specialist lean to an area rather being general like the resources might supply. So, yeah, it, it is good these days to be able to do that. Yeah, as a podcaster, I try to create a resource for industry like that. But certainly there are a lot of dodgy resources out there and it's always really hard to make sure you're getting the right info out there. So you need to be very confident with the resource. And I think having that backup of having your lecturers and your um, teachers providing you feedback on your work is going to be able to help you ensure that you're seeking out the correct information and you're not being led astray. Yeah, that's very true. And sometimes when you get an assessment in, you'll, you'll see some of the resources they're using. We always try to push them towards looking at, you know, DPI kind of resources, uni resources, mm. etc. But you can find some useful ones on some of the home sites, but it definitely needs to be checked out before taking those as being gospel. Mm. So Ian, what is TAFE New South Wales offering at the moment? Every TAFE New South Wales college, say teaching horticulture, they determine themselves which courses they're going to run. So for instance, the one that I was talking about, Cert 1, is is often offered at a limited number of colleges. I know they were using that one at Ride, for instance, to help with people with, with certain disabilities. And that's a great way to get some of those students that might find Cert 2 a big step up from no course at all. And then if able, which definitely some of them are, will go on to Cert 2. Cert 2 is course that we generally would recommend for students that coming from a very low baseline of horticultural experience, maybe a little bit of home gardening, etc. Whereas Cert 3 is usually one that we would recommend where someone's been working in the industry for a few years and has a bit of a grasp of some of the skills that are required in, in horticulture. And then there's the diploma we at TAFE Digital, uh, New South, TAFE New South Wales, TAFE Digital, we actually do have a, a few diploma courses. I'm going to talk specifically about those later on. Uh, and the diploma is one where generally there's no prerequisites, but we suggest students have done at least a Cert 2 or a Cert 3 prior to going into the diploma. Cert 4 is an option and is run by some colleges probably not so commonly, but uh, 
yeah, it, it's decided by the individual colleges, and so are the actual electives that within the course. I'll talk about the kind of rules for each of those a little later, but there's some of the courses. And there's also some statement of attainment courses where we actually might take just two or three units from a, a course and run those as a statement of attainment, often courses that are quite popular and maybe as a start to do some work, short work, a volunteer work in the industry, maybe a precursor to looking at doing the Cert 2 or Cert 3 later. Fantastic. So, Ian, I'd like to talk a little bit about each of these certifications and starting with the Cert 2 of horticulture, what are the units you're able to study for that? The actual units that we look at in that course, and, and that, as I was saying before, it's a general interest area of horticulture rather than specifically. So it's for people that would be working maybe as assistants to people in the industry, for tradespeople in some of the areas we talked about. So what we have in that course, we have 15 units, and that's a minimum number of units a college would normally run because that's the actual minimum requirement for the course. And that's made up of five core units, and then there are 10 elective choices. So the core units we have, there's without boring you too much with the full title, there's basically one which is a, a WHS unit. There's one that's a sustainability unit. There's one where recognizing plants, which is quite important. And that was determined prior to the last course makeup. Australian Institute of Horticulture uh, was one of the major areas, plus other industry uh, bodies that decided that should be a core. We we also run the weather, the weather unit and work effectively in the industry. We have a soils unit. We have a weeds unit. We have pests and diseases. Uh, we also have the one that you're talking about, but probably at a lower level where people do herbarium pressing. We have a propagation. Uh, we have a pot on, a pot up prick out unit, which is supporting propagation. We have pruning trees and shrubs. We have supporting turf establishment. We have planting trees and shrubs and uh, an irrigation unit, low, low volume irrigation. So just to repeat of those, WHS, recognized plants, soils, weeds, and pests and diseases are the, the core units. The other ones are electives. And there's nothing in that list that is superfluous. Like literally every single item you just listed off there is going to be used by somebody in their horticultural career, if not every day, at least at some point. I, I think so. If you were to really get down to the nitty gritty, People might say to you, well, what about herbarium pressings? But as you probably experience, it's, it's a way of helping to, to support recognizing plants and providing information. So I tend to agree with you that, that there are none. And there are a few extra electives that different colleges would put in that would probably also apply in relation to horticulture generally. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in high school, we used to poo-hoo on the workplace health and safety stuff and used to sort of say, oh, that's just a waste of time. But having been in the industry, you know, if you're going to enter into a, especially a commercial or a government role, 
having never been in the industry before, you need to know your WHS stuff, especially your swims, your JSEAs, and um, all the rest of it, because you're going to look like a fool if you don't understand that basic stuff on your first day of the job. Definitely. And, you know, the important, the number of accidents that occur in the industry, even with people that are aware of it, sadly, are, are higher than ideally they should be. And if we weren't running these courses, they would probably be higher than what they are. So it, it, it certainly is a good introduction and to, to let students be aware of what kind of things they should be looking at. Mm. So, Ian, what does the CERT 3 offer that the, like, how does it differ to the CERT 2? The, the CERT 3 is really for people that might be looking at going into a supervisory role, similar to the trades qualification, but they tend to be run in things like parks and production nursery, whereas general horticulture isn't truly classified as a trade qual, but it it still is a cert three so yeah it's really for that supervisory role uh, for people doing working garden maintenance maybe as councils in the gardens even supporting people that are doing landscaping particularly soft landscaping and working in the wholesale retail nurseries but it's more of a general course so in this particular qualification the the makeup is not massively different but they do an extra unit there is also, again, core units. So WHS, we're talking again, but it's slightly higher level. That's a core unit. Another core unit is provide information on plants. Another one is it soils improvement for garden areas, control weeds, and control plant pest disease. And then we have, in our course at uh, TAFE Digital, we have compulsory elective units and so then we've got a sustainability one we have we've actually put recognized plants in because we think that it is so important to have two couple of units for plants so that's our compulsory Mm. elective unit plant nutrition is a majorly important uh, compulsory elective unit as is conduct site inspections coordinate worksite activities implement a a plant landscape maintenance uh, program implement a grass area maintenance program, uh, implement a plant establishment program, uh, report on the health and condition of trees, uh, prepare growing media, and uh, implement a propagation plan. Those last few that I mentioned, they're all elective choices. Again, we do have the option of other units and two quite popular ones for those particularly working in the practical side of, say, a wholesale nursery or working maybe in garden maintenance where spraying is required, we run the prepare and apply chemicals and transport, handling, store chemicals as possible replacements for some of the others that may not be quite so relevant. Hmm. And then, so I guess if we're going to be talking about the Cert 2, Cert 3, and then the jump up to the diploma, can you tell me about that jump up? Like, are the courses that different or what's going on there? It's a good question. And a lot of people just try to jump straight into diploma with limited experience. And that's why I was saying previously that a Cert 2 or Cert 3 is, is an ideal prerequisite. With those units, particularly for the course that we were running in Diploma of Horticulture, it, it, it tends to be more of a, a higher technical skills level. The role for people with this qualification is more 
people that are working as managers or consultants, senior horticulturists, high-level team leaders. That particular course itself is is quite more theory-bound, a lot more research, and it's quite specific in its area of study. For instance, the first unit, Diagnosed Plant Health, they're looking at a specific research project where they determine a given pest or disease. Rather than insert two, insert three, they might learn 20 or 30. In this case, they only need to look at one there, but in, in a much more thorough detail and produce a report of high level that they it might replicate what you might expect if you were to ask the consultant over if you had a major problem. It would be similar to the report that you might expect back from those people. So subject areas that or units that they're actually doing in that would be diagnose plant health, prepare reports, manage plant cultural practices, develop a management plan for a designated area, develop a soil health and plant nutrition program, supervise work routines and staff performance, manage staff, manage a tree transplanting program, prepare estimates, quotes and tenders, and manage machinery and equipment. I must stress to you, though, that currently this course is going through revision and some of these units are, have been now become obsolete. So those units will be replaced. And, you know, that, that's determined. Then the new units will be determined by the individual colleges. But, yeah, that, that's a very short rundown of diploma course, but definitely generally much more report driven not covering such a wide amount of pest and diseases, etc., uh, etc. Et mm. So, so far we've talked about the literal horticulture qualifications, but I mean, I guess that there are quite a few related fields that we can talk about as well briefly. Would you mind just touching on a few of the other related fields within horticulture? Yes, there's many, many other areas. And you know, general horticulture, as I said before, is kind of a good little stepping stone if you're not really sure. But the areas that I, I would be looking at, and again, there's a new title for this, but most people still know it, is conservation land management, or in the old days, it was called bush regeneration. So that's a specific course in itself. And they run Cert 2, Cert 3 diplomas similarly in, in the colleges and face-to-face. Production horticulture is another course which we used to do online at Cert 2 level, and that's particularly where people are looking at growing tr- uh, fruit and vegetables. And within that course, depending on the college, it can be made up of units which include hydroponics-related areas. Then there's production nursery, which it's particularly an area that I've been really in pretty much all my life. And that's, you know, where people are growing trees and shrubs. And um, it's all about from propagation through to sale of very large containerized plants or even open ground to some degree. And yeah, that, that a lot of people do find that course quite interesting. Then there's the retail side of where people are looking at working in garden centers, even supporting like the, the likes of Bunnings and so on. And that course has a lot of like the general horticulture, production horticulture in it, but have a, an additional extra specific units 
that are based on on dealing with retail customers and display, etc. Oh, that's a whole skill in itself. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, it's a, a big skill, and you can't beat the the actual experience at the garden centre as well. Of course, parks and gardens is another area, and and again, we we don't actually run that. That tends to be run at the colleges because that is a trade course, and they again do similar cert two, cert three, maybe cert four, depending on the college and diploma. And and that's particularly aimed at councils and to some degree people that might be doing garden maintenance as the general horticulture course. And again, people can jump from one of these courses to another because there are a lot of similar units that you can get credited from one to the other. Landscape construction is one that's definitely one that really more designed face-to-face, which can give you the trade qual. A boriculture is another one, again, quite specialised, probably more suited definitely to face-to-face. Turf as well is another area. Again, we don't run that one more suited face-to-face. And then there's a, a, a massive area of agriculture, which is closely related, but that that's certainly a different area. We do do that course as well at TAFE NSW, TAFE Digital at Strathfield. And uh, they also do the similar kind of uh, levels in that course. Currently, that one's on hold, but it's uh, it will be back on online again shortly after uh, new units again have been put in the course due to a course revision. Yeah. So I guess that there's probably some people who are listening right now and who want to get into horticulture and they want to study, but they just don't know what the next steps are. Let's start off with high school students. How can someone leaving high school begin planning to enter the TAFE system? Well, I'd actually like to go back from even leaving high school. What I'd like to bring up is, and I I believe it's a fantastic idea, and I believe there's a big avenue for for students to be looking at this. And I I would like to see that it be promoted a lot more than what it is. And, And that's this. It's called uh, TVET. It's basically teaching, it's vocational education and training actually being run at, usually we do it in year 11 and year 12. And so people can count two or four units towards their HSC by picking at, at TAFE, New South Wales, TAFE Digital Stratfield. We actually do a two by two. So what that means is they do two units over two years. So they'll start the actual Cert 2 in horticulture and do the first half of that in their first year. And then they'll do the second half of the course in their second year. And that will end up giving them four units towards the HSC. But not only that, they'll actually already have a Cert 2 in horticulture, which is a massive head start for for students coming out of the school system compared to people that are, are students that are just doing their normal HSC units. Now, on top of that, they also get the beauty of having been exposed to, for each of those two years, they have to do 35 hours work experience. So in the first year, they'll go and work at, say, might be with a council. In the second year, they might go and work at a wholesale nursery and, and they'll that actually often sets 
some of the students up for work when they've gone uh, after they finish their schooling in year 12 they've already got a job because the the, the industry people know what they're capable of so it, it's a brilliant area and like i said i'd really like to see that pushed much more in our industry so that that's a big way in which people can get into horticulture through just while they're still at school and and some of those people may not even be or want an ATAR but they they get that practical experience and come out with a cert 2 ready to go into cert 3 when they finish high school so i think that's that's a really good idea for us to promote teachers to promote and yeah hopefully we'll get more students going into that area. Yeah, I think that is a fantastic initiative. My wife, Kirsty, actually did that with graphic design and it was one of the smartest decisions she made because she knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to do graphic design. And yeah, she she went through that path and yeah, it was just a it was just a step up for her to yeah, get her life uh, one step ahead more quickly. I mean, for me it took me years to figure out what I wanted to do, so if I had have known I wanted to do horticulture, I could have been years ahead if I had started in high school. Definitely, definitely. So what about someone who, you know, they're already out in the workforce and they're working, especially within the horticultural industry, but they're unqualified. What would you recommend for somebody like that? Look, I'd still recommend someone looking at doing the Cert 3 we do actually have at TAFE New South Wales, we have a system that's very well organised and is these days very strong in compliance, and that's recognition of prior learning or RPL. Students can apply for that once they're enrolled, but the problem I see with it, it, it is quite stringent, and there is quite a lot of work, both the teachers and the students, to put together pieces of evidence to to reach a recognition prior learning against the unit. Generally, my discussions with those students are that have a little look at what the assessments are. And most of the assessments, particularly with experience, don't take an awful lot of extra work because they have (laughs) already that knowledge. And so it's often quicker to actually do the assessment rather than going through the RPR process. That's a really good point, Ian. Yeah, I'm sorry. It took me forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and similarly for me, I've been through it with the teaching qual in the recent past. And yeah, some of some of the paperwork is crazy, but the assessments, particularly at Cert 2 or Cert 3 level, you can do with, with very little additional study if you've got that experience. Can you define the term mature aged student for us? Specifically, not not as far as a definition is concerned, but what I would suggest to you that if mature age student is usually one with a lot more years under their belt, and in relation to TAFE, New South Wales, there there really shouldn't be any difference between them and any other student. Their ability, they can enrol just like a, a standard student can enrol online or they can call up and the process can be done in support over the phone. But mature age students themselves usually have, have been in a different career. In in a lot of our cases, we're getting students that coming into horticulture now 
they, they've been in a career, they're looking at a career change. You know, they may often have been in a high pressure job and they're saying, right, money isn't the end result now. I want job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so they, they come into our area. Now, there are also some that have never, ever been educated from the time they've left school. And the, we can manage that by we have online study coaches and they can help with all sorts of different areas. You know, it can be quite a difficult thing for mature age students, some of them, to dealing with even the use of computers, software, farm management. And it's not really my strong point, I might add, but we have study coaches available that can take the time one-on-one over the phone to, to help exactly what is required. TAFE supports those students, all of our students, in relation to access to software that is required at a discounted or even free cost. And so, uh, yeah, mature age students do take up a number of our, our enrollments and usually are very keen students. We have, sometimes we have people that have, you know, never, like I said before, that, that maybe haven't even worked before people that have had to build, bring up children and now they've got a few spare hours in their week and have decided that horticulture is their love. They've got green fingers and now they want to look at doing some part-time work once they get qualified. Yeah, and I think it's important that you mentioned the pay versus job satisfaction because for me in my horticultural career, that's always been the, the two sides that I have to weigh up. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I've got a little bit to say about that at the end. <laughs> okay, good. We'll we'll get to that bit shortly. But I mean, I guess I've worked with some people who have learning disabilities, actually quite a number of people within the horticultural industry. So you were talking about how TAFE is actually quite set up to help people with learning disabilities. Yes, we cater for, for students with, with all sorts of learning disabilities, learning barriers, and and the, the, they're coming from all sorts of different places. You know, again, many of them can be regional areas where they don't have the ability to attend a face-to-face college. So these dedicated teachers and specialists are in many different areas. We've got people that support the blind, people that support major issues as far as hearing, people with anxiety and depression issues we have the that the support for those and and we have people also that understand people that are in the indigenous area that as well that understand the differences between you know the way that people study the way that people can study and, and make go out of their way to enable flexible learning and reasonable adjustment and this reasonable adjustment might be for instance for people with uh, sight issues that they produce resources that are a bit a lot larger it's more expanded in relation to the size the font etc and they're a great low, great group of people and i work closely at times with them when we come across those particular students so yeah not we definitely cater for the people that that are definitely outside what you might call students that are you know have standard skills and abilities. Hmm. 
And I think that the hands-on, if you've got the hands-on skills, you can make it in horticulture, especially if you've got a good attitude as well. Reading and writing isn't on the top list of horticultural skills, to be quite honest. No, no, it's not. But, you know, there are things, of course, that students do need to be able to do if they are doing certain jobs. So if someone's spraying, then they've obviously got to be able to read a label. So, but definitely, you know, these people with learning disabilities, we have a, I've experienced like, like you have in horticulture, many of them, and certainly they're some of the best employees I've experienced because they're so good at, at a specific task. And you can, you can, you know, guarantee that they're going to do the job 100% all the time. And, and that's what you want in horticulture. Mm. So, Ian, are there any other barriers that people mention to studying at TAFE that aren't quite as much of a barrier as people might imagine at first? I think that you mentioned before about mature age students, and I think really it's just the confidence of of anyone to just making the decision and say, look, I'd, I'd like to do horticulture. I have the skills. I have the abilities. I have the knowledge. I really do want to to enroll in the course. Like I, I talk to students, many, many students every week, and I do come across regularly students that doubt their own abilities, their own knowledge. And that's a, one of the biggest barriers, the self-confidence of doing the course, saying that they're not capable of. But it's very rare that I would come across anyone that can't do the course. It's just a question of making the decision, making the call, enrolling, in our case, at TAFE New South Wales, TAFE Digital Online and, and enrolling. And then once once they've enrolled, you know, we can help them right the way through, step by step from using the online system that we use. Like I said before, with with the, the use of the computer, the software, it is daunting, but Believe me, once after a few weeks, students able to understand what's involved, those those barriers have gone. Absolutely. And let me tell you, as somebody who has been qualified with a Diploma of Horticulture, when that certificate arrives in the mail, it's quite a rush and you feel really good about yourself. So don't let your feelings of inadequacy now shoot yourself in the foot for the future about those good feelings you can have when you actually accomplish that qualification. Yeah, very, very true. It was one of the best things I used to look forward to when I was at uh, Right uh, as a teacher was was presenting the actual awards to the the students. You know, some of them have already got diplomas and degrees. Uh, you name it, they're they're very highly educated prior, but, but some of them this was their first qualification, and and it kind of brought you know shivers down my spine when when some of those students finally got to get pick up their their cert to at a, a presentation night it was great yeah it's such a good feeling and you can't help but smile all afternoon no no it's fantastic and you know they'll frame it and put it up in in their house and i think that's fantastic hmm. and the wage increase doesn't hurt either does it no, albeit small initially, but like I think I said before, you can build on that and that's really important to, to have mm. something to build on. So there will be links in the show notes for our listeners, but I guess for most people, 
the start of their TAFE journey is just a quick Google search. I mean, you can search Cert 2 or Cert 3 of horticulture and then include your city or your state. Yes, I think that's a good thing to do. And look, a couple of things I'd like to just say is in my career, and again, it's something that we touched on, I I can just give a big thanks to my careers advisor when I was at my selective high school. You know, everyone was going off to to, to Cambridge and to Oxford, becoming pilots and so on, as I found out since on Friends Reunited, one of the old-fashioned ways of catching up with your past students. But when I was 17, my careers advisor basically encouraged me to do horticulture. It was a hobby. Never had any thought about making it career, but you know, my issue was I'm not going to get the money in this area, but I, I've taken that person's advice. Never any issues with getting up in the morning um, mm-hmm. to, to work in my career since. And um, I, I can only suggest that it is a, a great career. And so that that's one of the things I'd like to say. The other thing, if you guys are working out in the industry, and don't have much to talk about at lunchtime. I I find it quite interesting to look at people with surnames that are related to horticulture. And one of the first I came across, believe it or not, was a teacher teaching soils, and his name was Mr. Dennis Clay. And uh, (laughs) and just recently, only only about a month ago, I had a new prospective student whose name was uh, Mr. Hedger. And... (laughs) Just as a little list, people that I've encountered since I've had, these are surnames that I've come across, Branch, Flower, Root, Green, Field, Bush, obviously a common one, Gardener, Rose, Forest, Ash, Groves, Woods, and Pots. So there are a few horticulture-related surnames if you want to come up with a list see what you can come up with. Obviously, first names are a lot easier, Christian names, if you like to come up with. But even think about some horticultural book titles like Photosynthesis, maybe by Teresa Green, (laughs) or or Tree Root Support by Terry Firmer. There's a couple that I made up. Oh, you've made them up. Good. I was going to say that's too perfect, Ian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. I actually did make them up. Teresa Green is one that's we we played around with it a lot in the office, but yeah. And lastly, please everyone that that's in the industry, please look at joining Australian Institute of Horticulture. It helps our career and brings some kind of professionalism mm-hmm. to to the industry. Absolutely, the AIH is very important to the Australian horticultural community. And I would recommend anybody studying or working in horticulture. Yeah, absolutely. Just check it out. AIH, just Google it. So Ian, I always like to ask our guests, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? This doesn't have to be on topic. You can promote anything about TAFE or you can talk about anything that you'd like to talk about in general. I've kind of added a few things there, but one of the things I'd like to promote is uh, I grow clivias particularly the yellow stroke cream one. And I just think that that is a great plant. And yeah, if anyone's after some yellow cream clivias, anything from uh, 200 mil pots up to 300 mil pots, then give me a call. They'll be in flower around about September time. 
Awesome. And there will be a link in the show notes for people to check them out as well. Cheers, Ian. What a great episode, mate. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much, Daniel, and take care. The next education feature in the Horde Journal Australia magazine is coming up in December. So if you're in charge of marketing at an education facility in Australia and you'd like to advertise to industry pros reading about getting qualified, reach out to me via one of the links in the show notes. You can read all of this month's articles in the journal via one of the other links in the show notes. July's Hort Journal will be a horticultural machinery, equipment and crop protection feature. 